Purpose, a podcast that highlights the unique stories of professionals that pivoted their careers to align with their work lives and personal lives more purposefully and with more joy. Pivot with Purpose is hosted by Megan Hull, a globally accredited career and business coach and creator of the Megan Hull Method. Welcome back to the Pivot with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hull, and in this episode, we talk to Madison Ciccone, athlete, master spin instructor at SoulCycle, and creator of the Wicked Fearless Coaching Community and podcast. Thank you for listening to Pivot with Purpose with host Megan Hull. You can find out more information about each guest, including full transcripts at pivotwithpurposepodcast.com. And if you'd like to share your own Pivot with Purpose, click on the share button and add your story to the conversation. Finally, be sure to subscribe and share your comments wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Your support amplifies our voice. And now, this week's episode. Madison is an emerging thought leader and relentless, fierce cheerleader for women with big dreams. With an energy that's both inspirational and aspirational, Madison takes her crew to church each week on her podcast, delivering the news that they too can be wicked fearless. Madison is like the older sister you never have, and she's always the one that has got your back. She's real about who she is and where she's been, and by sharing her experiences openly, she offers a vulnerability that helps the women in her community feel seen and understood. As a D1 athlete and master instructor at SoulCycle, Madison knows what it takes to achieve success. She also knows that success can feel empty when it's not aligned with purpose and desire. That's why she offers the Wicked Fearless Coaching Container for women who are ready to identify and embody their purpose, set the stage, and step into the lives they were meant for. Madison, thank you for joining us today on the Pivot with Purpose podcast. How are you doing? I- I'm so psyched to be here. You know, I love spending time with you. So this is just going to be, it's going to be so much fun. Same. And I know we've already had like a barrel of laughs. So everybody buckle up. Buckle (laughs) Buckle buckle up. up. Please keep your hands and arms inside the monorail at all times. Yes. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast and in the ears of our listeners. And as someone who is constantly inspired by you and all you do, I know you will inspire others in sharing your own career story and pivots and all the nuggets that you tend to drop as takeaways. So for all those listening, get ready to take some good notes, whether physical or mental, because if you have to be driving, don't take notes, okay? So (laughs) no driving and taking notes. Pull over at McDonald's, get a Diet Coke. (laughs) over, get through that drive-through and sit in the parking lot. So are you ready to dive in, Madison? Oh yeah, let's do it. So to kick off, I would love to hear more about your current job. Tell us what you're up to these days, my friend, before we get into your pivot story. Oh my gosh, what yeah. am I up to these days? So right now, currently, day to day, I am a master instructor at Soul Cycle. So I teach all the classes over at Soul Cycle. I've been there for the better part of a decade, I think seven plus years now. And I also do a lot of coaching beyond the bike. So a la COVID, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point because it's kind of like Mm -hmm. part of our lives now. I created my own coaching company called Wicked Fearless, where I do group coaching as well as one-on-one coaching all around basically how to be a better version of you and show up confidently in your life, creating the life you crave. 
And I myself have a podcast also titled Wicked Fearless. So just like all things wicked and fearless is yeah. what we're about. And that's like the Judy Bloom version of what I do at this point. I mean, there's a million other trains running at all times, but that's pretty much where I marinate. If you were to say like, what do you do? Yes. And I thoroughly enjoyed taking your soul cycle classes. I, I know you keep me on track and probably one of the best spin instructors I've ever ridden with. I know you're doing a lot and I can't wait to dive into all of it. If you had a cliff note, speaking of Judy Bloom, now we're going to move over to cliff notes. All right. Ha hashtag the 90s here. Let's talk about your career journey. Walk us through maybe what you're most proud of you've accomplished as you were starting off early in your career up until what you're doing now. Talk to us about some of those pivot stops and like what you're really proud of. Yeah, you know, I actually love coming on podcasts because I feel like, you know, my mom used to say I've forgotten more than you'll ever know. And I mm -hmm. used to like laugh at that. But it dead ass feels like that because whenever I talk about the things I've done, it's almost like you're reminded of how badass you are and you forget like all the things you've done in your life. So I think one, like first and foremost, something I just didn't even think about because I was so in it and I was so young was like, leaving, I went to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee for undergrad for, I was an entertainment and music business major, minor. It was like a double thing. And my spring senior semester, instead of doing your glory semester or hanging out, I went to Belmont West in LA and I interned with Ellen DeGeneres. And, you know, I was, I was still so young. I don't even know if I was 21 at the time. And I was just like, I'm going to LA. And I went to LA that glory semester. And that's kind of what started my LA journey with Hollywood and being an executive assistant to some very large and high powered people. Um, and I don't think I give myself enough credit for that. Like that was so big. Mm -hmm. And I see all these college kids day in and day out when I'm teaching. And that was me making such a big move in my life and just being so sure about it, just quite literally diving off a cliff. So that was huge. And I think that really led to a lot of the other jobs and things that came with LA. And that kind of would lead you up to my like LA chapter. What was your first big pivot moment you had early on in your career? I think my first big pivot was... Well, I think getting your first quote unquote big girl job, because mm -hmm. I think you go to college and you think you have an idea. But for me, I was kind of on that cusp of like I was the first class of Facebook. So when I went to college in 2006, so I graduated high school 20, 2006 and I was at college from till 2010. That was like when this giant boom of social media and tech kind of happened in the sense of like, before that, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Instagram at the time. I think I still had a, like a flip phone. So in my head, I really wanted to go to school and work at Capitol Records or work in music or do something like that. And I think my first big pivot was getting a real job as an executive assistant. I worked at XIX Entertainment, which was this big entertainment company run by Simon Fuller, who mm -hmm. created American Idol and the Spice Girls and like all this crazy stuff. And it was really like that first kind of deep dive into what it was like to work at a and for an entertainment mogul and also be a part of this crazy Hollywood story. I think that was yeah. the first really big pivot because I kind of went out there and I didn't know what I was going to do. And that kind of streamlined my process into, OK, like we're taking this road right now. And I know we use the word pivot a lot, but I kind of think of it as like 
kind of just like little right hand, left hand turns down your journey because you always think it's going to be linear and then no. different things come up and it's kind of like ways. I always think of the map ways. It's like, okay, go this way, go this way, go this way. So that was like my first big like take a right here moment when I got to LA. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And for all of the recruitment and you know, I have like eight jobs, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but for recruitment, a lot of what I do with candidates going into interviews is preparing them. How did you prepare for that first big interview? Were you scared to death? How did you know you nailed it? What was that process like for you? I feel like I never walk out and I'm like, I nailed it because mm. I'm one of those people that's always like, even if you can give yourself a 10, I'm like, I'll give myself like a nine just mm -hmm. because like, I always think you can do better. I think it was just blind, young, like fresh luck, honestly, right. Meg, because yeah. I went on like five or six interviews. It was such a long process mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, do you guys like fucking know yet? Like you must know whether you want someone or not. Right. And I had never been in that type of process before where it was several different interviews. Like literally, I think it was like five. And I don't think I ever walked out and was like, oh, I got the job. I think if anywhere in the world makes you feel like an imposter outsider, not good enough, it would a thousand percent be Los Angeles. So and it was a super intimidating building. That was like one of the biggest things about working there. It's like floor to ceiling, all white, everything, giant glass panoramic views all around. But like when I tell you the entire office was white, it used to remind me of like the scene in Bruce Almighty where he like goes to heaven, like straight up. It looks like that. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. And when you would ride the elevator up every day, it would go penthouse. And I just remember being like, what the fuck am I doing? The elevator's here? talking to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> here I am in the penthouse. I made it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so interesting. And say, I mean, that interview process has not changed. Let me tell you, for all those listening in that I know are a big part of retail and jobs community still a lot of what people struggle with in terms of like, okay, make a decision. And I think COVID did not help that in any sense of the word of like having multiple people to kind of sign off on hiring you. And yeah. you feel like you're going in and you're telling your story to six people. You're like, can this just be like a group interview <laughs> so we can just like speed things along? But it's I'm like so fact stressful. checking what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's stressful. so stressful. Yeah. But you did it. And I just feel like Early on, I mean, to me, you have this incredible confidence. And I think this personality that just shows up before you even walk through the door. Is that how you were as a kid? Like, do you feel like that's something that's been innate in you or something you really had to work on? Yeah, I think it's definitely something for sure within me. And I've mm -hmm. asked my dad a lot of times, like, where the fuck did this like animal come from? Like, where did you come from? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Was I just like born like this? Because even when you said that, I like had a memory of when I first got to L.A., like I was working all these odd jobs trying to figure out, am I going to dance? Am I going to perform? Am I going to do extra work? Like I was doing everything. I basically was doing anything I could to make a dime. And I actually worked with a recruiting company in Hollywood and I would go temp. And temping is like, I think it takes like a real personality to go temp and like lean in because I was getting put on like the SBP of Lionsgate desk. Wow. I was on like the president of Nigel Lithgow's desk. Like I was just getting thrown onto these desks and it was just blind. I think it was just the ability to just be like, okay, I'm here. Like I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to just do everything I can to make this work. And I didn't mm -hmm. know what the hell I was doing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, I feel like is just like, I don't want to say like beginner's luck, but you don't know what it's like to like totally fuck up or like ruin mm -hmm. it or like whatever. So you don't 
you don't know anything other than to lean in and go for it and just like balls to the wall, full send. Isn't that so amazing? And I remember some of that fearless energy that I had as a young kid. And I think as we get older, <laughs> the fear really then starts to like creep in because life yeah. experience and all of that. But I love that. And anyone that can sit with that fearless energy and just continue to own and embrace it, those are the people that are really still doing all the things now in this life of like, don't let someone tell you no. Don't let someone tell you you can't do something. Stand in your power, stand in your voice. Just go out there, go for it. Carve your own path, trailblaze, and try all kinds of different things. I think gone are the days too of a lot of professionals staying in their careers five, 10, plus years and, and being these career lifers, I think it's so important to try new things and try new industries and work for different people and be challenged in different ways. Do you agree? Yeah, a thousand yeah. percent. And I think a lot of times people don't believe that the skills are transferable and the skills mm. are totally transferable. Mm. I had no idea playing instruments and being so connected with music would pay off so well now Soul Cycle. I think that's a huge edge I always forget about. Like I play like a thousand instruments I was in every band, every orchestra, chorus, jazz band before school, like all these things I take almost, it's not like I take them for granted, but it's like I forget how blessed I am and what skills I actually bring to the table. And all those skills are like part of it. They're all part of my dad always uses like the word war chest. It's like what's in your arsenal? What's in your war chest of things you can use when you go into the mm -hmm. arena for battle? And I forget sometimes like, oh, well, that connects or like that checks out or when I like volunteered for my friend's company and basically ran their wedding. Now I have leadership and event planning skills. I think the more things you show up to, I always say you got to go to grow. And I think the more you can just kind of do that and and not be so worried about, okay, like I'm going to mess it up or, oh, what if it doesn't work out? I'm like, well, yeah. what if you forget you, like forget everything you think you know and just go for it. Oh, I love that. Well, before we dive into what your big juicy kind of pivot is, so what experiences would you say, including like education, any personal experiences you feel like have been really important and maybe have shaped you throughout this journey? You know, I think a huge one, and it's one I've talked about a lot on my podcast, mm -hmm. was getting fired or mm -hmm. let go. I mean, the verbiage is very in interchangeable because to me, fired is like you did something wrong, like you're bad, like leave. Or like you you messed up in a way that's like uh, inexcusable or something like that. But what people don't talk about a lot is let, getting let go, which means you work at an ad agency, they lost the account, it's before Thanksgiving. They quite literally have told me, we can't keep the lights on and keep paying all the bills to like keep this place company afloat. So we're letting every middle level interim junior account or junior program product development or junior programming, whatever, go. Like, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you did, doesn't matter how great you are, we can only keep the most important people or whatever. Yeah. And so you're like out crying in your car and you're like, the. I think those are the moments that have shaped me the most. And they have been the things and the catalyst to create the biggest pivots. It was like never when I was winning or like crushing it or got the job. It's always like sobbing in your Jetta outside the, the company you just got walked out of like a freaking criminal and nobody and no one in your entire life prepares you for those moments. It's like yeah. wild. Yeah. Oh, and I know that you play these little amazing snippets and the playlist at Cycle, but I just love the ones where it's the voices overs and I yeah. don't have to share with me, but I always remember the one that's like the growth comes when you're at rock bottom. 
Yeah. And I don't think enough people see that and appreciate like sometimes the things that don't work out and the struggles like running through the fire. (laughs) That's where you learn so much about yourself and you just keep going and you figure it out. And that's what life is. But it's not always going to be perfect and you're not always going to get 100 percent. It's not always going to work out. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. One of my favorite people once said this, Lori Harder said this, you don't meet yourself in heaven, you meet your higher self in hell. And yeah, Yeah. that's one of my favorite quotes she's ever said that I like picked up on at a thing. And it's so true. Like that's where you meet yourself. You meet yourself like when your face is down and like you're bloodied and, you know, it's the like the low moments that then give you the opportunity to use like that rock bottom as a stepping stone to step back up. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that. I love it. All right. So in the spirit of this podcast, I love to leave a little teaser. So I usually ask you a yes or no question, and then we go to a little break and come back and pick it up. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you ready? I'm on the spot. So yes or no. Do you remember the exact moment you decided to pivot into fitness? No. And with that, we are going to go to a quick break, and we will pick this up when we get back. All right, Madison. So before the break, you said no. So what, when did you know? When did you feel it was right to like leap into fitness? Like tell us all about that big pivot move. Okay. So for me, your no. So I have this thing I talk about called the knock in your life. And the knock comes from people outside of you and not inside of you. Like it's not an inner thought. It's almost like everybody else sees how skilled you are in some area, but you don't see it for yourself because you either see it as a passion or You're just like living your life. You don't really notice it. So when I got let go of the last agency, the one where I got walked out of like crying Mm -hmm. in my car, like blah, blah, blah. You know, at the time I had gone through yoga teacher training and this was like when the real boom of boutique fitness was happening. And so I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, da, da, da. And my friends were like, Madison, like you literally go to the gym at like 4 a.m. before work, work a 12 hour day. And then you go back because that's like your community. You dance there, you like, You're always there on the weekends. You're always involved with like literally any event and anything they're doing. Like that's where you need to work. Mm -hmm. And so I had worked the front desk at Equinox at some point in the interim of like I wanted the free membership. And Mm -hmm. so I was working the front desk. I don't even remember what year this was. This was alongside when before I really got that big girl job as an EA. So it was like very early on in L.A., like probably like 2010 to 2011-ish. So I was like, yeah, you know, and like across the street is this place called Soul Cycle, and it's like the next big thing. And I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go try to get this Soul Cycle job. Meanwhile, I had no intention of being a fitness instructor. I was like, I'm gonna go work for Soul Cycle so that I can somehow pivot back to marketing, advertising, whatever the career that I just got let go from. And I went through a huge round of interviews there, Meg. I drove up to Malibu for an interview. I drove to Pasadena for an interview. If you don't know LA, that's like literally on two different sides of the whole entire planet. I was driving all over. I went through this whole interview. I did a whole day of screening at Beverly Hills and I didn't get the job. And I was like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, maybe fitness isn't it. So then I went back and took a six-month ad agency job. And then when that was up, I was like, all right, well, now here I am back at square one. Don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. So I was like, fuck LA. I'm done with LA. And I applied to be a studio manager in Boston for SoulCycle. I was like, listen, Mm. I just want to get in with this SoulCycle place. I just know it's going to be a rocket ship. 
I just know boutique fitness is going to be a rocket. So I go, they call me back and they're like, hey, we know you went on all these interviews before. Unfortunately, Boston's not looking for a manager right now, but LA is again. And I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. And and I was kind of like at the point, Meg, where I was like, if I go in and they try to string me along again, like I'm fucking right, done. Like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. So I went in on one interview. I remember I got coffee with two other managers at the time. It was at the Montage in Beverly Hills. Like talk about bougie in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. And I and they were like, I kind of was like, yeah, like I've literally been in front of you guys a million times. So like, yes or no, pretty much. And I got the job. Yes or no. Yeah. I, I was you. like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what pivoted me into soul cycle in the fitness space but never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to be an instructor like I went in thinking uh-huh. I was going to like somehow get in with them and then I could move back to New York and be closer to my family and I'd live in New York and like everything would work out and I could be bi-coastal and whatever mm-hmm. and I mean as the story goes that's not how it happened so yeah. I think the knock what I was alluding to is like other people see I think your skills or where you might land before you do And that came again when I was riding up on podium all the time. You know, like I was riding for Angela Davis and David Sint, Laura Craigle, like all these senior master instructors. And people would come up to me and be like, why don't you be a teacher? Why don't you be an instructor? Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? Mm. And after a while, when you hear that so many times, then you like kind of look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, yeah, why the fuck not me? Like, why? Why are you like not thinking this could actually be a thing. And that's kind of what led me to the whole instructor Mm. land of like going to the audition and riding with 52 other people in the room at Culver City and then like going to New York for training and then eventually landing here in Boston. But it was never in my wildest dreams. Like, I'm going to make this pivot. It just kind of like unfolded as people were like, hey, heads up. Hello. Hello. Knock, knock. Are you listening? Are you opening your eyes? And that's kind of like what woke me up to it a little bit. I love that. I think there's so much in there of just like kind of having some clarity of at least this could be something fun to do next. And this is something I'm really passionate about. And maybe it didn't work out the first time, but you also didn't give up. And I give you a lot of credit there because so many people get the no and then that's it. Like how many people are listening in sitting in the shoulda, coulda, woulda month? I don't know. And I think it's so hard because, you know, it's something I've been watching a lot, too, especially on Instagram and social media. Like Mm -hmm. all these people talk about the stories of them having made it. I actually was walking to class and thinking about this the other day. I don't know why I kept showing up for it because I think it would have been really easy to have gotten that no and walked away. And I don't know what I wish I could like bottle up Mm -hmm. what the feeling was that's like keep going or bless and release. But for whatever reason, I kept going with this place called Soul Cycle, and it's led me kind of to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I know and I've heard stories of how grueling it is and the instructor auditions. And I guess for you, how is it is it different than what you thought it was going to be starting out? And how has it changed your life? What are your thoughts around now being in the moment and and kind of being in this master instructor place with SoulCycle now? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really tough. I think I'm a kind of person like you tell me no and that lights a fire under me versus snuffs me out. And I know you're very similar in that. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, then watch me. Like, I really think of the iconic scene in Legally Blonde where she's like, I'll show you how whatever Elwood's can be. And then it's like, better watch out going for Mm -hmm. the knockout. And it's like this whole scene of her like (laughs) studying and like getting it and like, you know, the whole scene. So I always think of that because that's just what was 
inside me. I don't know why I kept on keeping on. I don't know why when it got hard or the pay structure changed or all the crazy shit within a company that's going from a smaller company to a large now international global. I don't even know what the hell you'd call it. The growth pains, the the changes in infrastructure, changes in leadership, changes, 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 changes. I don't know what has been able I'm not really sure what my X factor is of being able to push through other than being like, don't tell me no, because, you know, whatever, if you give me a number to try to hit, I'm going to go try to hit it and I'm going to try to knock it out of the park. It's just like this inner, I don't know if it's out of spite or if it's like this inner whatever in me. I call it maybe the, I allude to it as like the D1 spirit because I was always a big athlete. I cheered through college. Like I always was like bigger, better, stronger champion D1 mindset. And I think that has served me in a lot of ways. It's definitely also hindered me, I think, in some ways. But I think for the most part, it served me. Yeah, 100%. And I always love to ask this question, especially for anyone in fitness. What do you feel are some of those misconceptions around the industry? And I know you have such an amazing community. How are you changing that narrative in your own community around those misconceptions? Because you really have a big voice. I feel like you feel like you know, but you know, I'm like a big cheerleader of yours too. You're so, <laughs> so, you do you're so kind. Point. I appreciate yes. it. When you think, when you say misconceptions, what, what do you have an example of that? Because I just think so, it's such a wide product. I know. So like, you know, the industry, it's like really clicky or it's like mean girls or you can't show up unless you're like super fit or you can't be an instructor unless you're super fit. And because I don't have many people showing up for class. I'm not that good. I should quit. You know, just things like that where I know feel I think it's all mindset, but it's like image misconceptions about like what studios are like. I don't know. Kind of down that road. You know, I got to be honest, Meg, the best piece of information I ever got was Mm -hmm. stay in your lane. Mm. And Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, I have blinders on a lot of times. Like I mute That's a lot awesome. of people on Instagram, Good. even within my own company. Like I'm like, I love yeah. you. I support you. I'll go find you if I need to. But I don't want to see what you're doing because it's going to fuck up what I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't want to second guess myself or like my thoughts or what I'm doing. And I think that's really, really, really helped me. And and it helped me get to where I am. And now from like a a very confident, grounded in my ability, expertise, leadership type of position. Mm-hmm. I think I have a lot more, I'm a lot more comfortable is the long run, but I think I can, I've always been a believer in a rising tide lifts all ships, but I think now mm-hmm. I can cultivate in a different way than when I was like grinding and climbing and trying to get to the top because we're all mm-hmm. doing that you know like mm-hmm. you want to say oh we're all in this together but then when it comes to filling your classes and stuff like that it's not it's so and it's just a weird right. way it's like you're a team but you're not you're a team but yeah. you still have to perform and it's a performance-based industry so it's, it's kind of like being on team Uni- usa but you're all running the 100 meter hurdles and you want to fucking win so it's like a I very delicate ballet dance with yeah. trying to manage that. But I honestly think, for the most part, I honestly think I just have blinders on a lot I of love times. love it. And so interesting to hear. And I totally agree with you. And I feel like you've talked about that before. I was just like, stay in your own lane. I think it was, maybe you're talking about Michael Phelps. Like when he was in a race and there was like some dude like looking at Michael Phelps and he wound up losing or something. Yeah, there, there right? totally is. It's a really yeah. famous picture. I guarantee if you Google it right now and you're like Michael Phelps and other guy or Michael guy looking at Michael Phelps. Yeah. And like the whole point of the story is I don't even know who that guy was. He's obviously an Olympian. I think he got second place, but he got the silver medal. No one knows his name. No one knows what country he's from. 
Mm-hmm. And the picture is famous because Michael Phelps is like laser focused on the finish line, the goal right. ahead. Yeah. And the other guy is like leaning over his shoulder, looking at and worrying about what Michael Phelps is doing. And the same uh, thing goes for any industry you're in. If you're looking at other people's paper, if you're not keeping you, your eyes on your own prize, and that's what I mean by blinders on, like anytime someone's like, well, this person does this and that part, and I'm like, blinders on, blinders on, like who gives a shit what they're doing? Do what you're doing. And And if you have to protect yourself by like muting people on social media or not going to that event or not doing that thing or whatever it is, then Mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. I think that comes with maturity and time. Now, could I have said this six or seven years ago when I first started? Absolutely not, because I was just doing everything I could to not drown. I was like doggy paddling with my nose barely above water, trying to playlist, trying to like be whatever, like trying to figure out my voice and who I was. And like, you don't know who the fuck you are when you start Mm -hmm. out. You can only talk like this, having gone through the whole process up till now, I think. Yeah, I love that. So well said. And on the topic of people in your life, and I love to talk about having mentors and people we can lean on. I was talking about it today with client, kind of like building a mini personal board of advisors. (laughs) Oh my God, Um, I love that. Yes, in terms of having friends and... uh, other like-minded individuals you can go to for support or guidance. So a two-part question for you. So first, what types of people do you think are most important to have in your life? And then who have you leaned on, if anyone, to support you in your own pivot career goals? Okay, so I think Mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with important people is, I mean, you are literally, you are the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. They're going to influence every single decision you make. They're going to literally cheer you on. You always want the people around you who are going to speak your name in rooms of opportunity, who are going to cheer you on, who aren't going to have doubts about you because that is ultimately, you know, people are either pumping your tires or they're not like straight up. For me personally, 1000% full stop my dad. I would not be here without my dad. Like, yeah. I'm like going to cry. He's just everything. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I I talk to him all day and my dad was really, he's everything. Like he's like my therapist, my coach, my whatever, like I allude to, I do a lot of personal development work. I work on myself tirelessly because I know that that's so much a part of the process. He is quite literally the person, if I was a boxer, that would be like rubbing your shoulders and being like, I know you know what to do. I don't need to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you, like slap your ass and tell you to get back in the ring type of thing. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. So like, For me, that's that. And of course, Mm -hmm. I have like some really good friends and some mentors and coaches I look up to. My friend Heidi B, shout out to Heidi B. Like I met her at, I literally ran up to her at an event when she was on a panel and I was like, "Ah, you have the quality that I call the running into battle effect, like the walking dead truck. And I talk Mm -hmm. about this in, in our class, soul hit or soul activate a lot. Who are the people you want in your fucking walking dead truck? You have one truck. It's the zombie apocalypse. Who do you want in your truck? Who's got your back? Who's fighting for you? And so there are a few people here and there. But yeah, having those people is so major because you're going to have days where you're like, oh my God, like I want to quit. I suck. That's all normal. And it doesn't matter how much mindset, mental toughness, You could read every book, listen to every podcast. You could go to every spiritual guru retreat out there and you're still going to have those thoughts. So surrounding yourself with the people who champion you and see you sometimes in a different light, in a better light than you see yourself is like chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Exactly. Oh, I love all of that. And shout out to your dad. He sounds like a really cool guy. Yeah. 
We need the dad meeting a lot. I the know way. <laughs> a lot of people want it. A lot of people want him to come on the podcast, and I will get him Let's at Soul do. Cycle at some point. Oh my god! Well, I'm signing up. Put me on the wait list. Speaking of the network of support, let's dive in your coaching program, Wicked Fearless. Yes. Tell us where did the inspiration come from? Who is the program for? What can someone expect working with you one on one? And I know you do more group group coaching, right? So tell us about that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like a lot of things. You know, when we shut down the world shut mm-hmm. down I you know never in my wildest dreams was I like I'm not going to go teach soul cycle tomorrow like I'm not going to be on a bike I'm not going to be in front of 60 you know I don't know three classes a day times 60 people do the math um yeah. I was like what do I do with myself and innately I'm like I know that the message that I give in the room for 45 minutes could be so much more meaningful far beyond these four walls. And to be honest, like the whole beyond the bike concept was something I was marinating in. And so when we shut down, I was already in like a coaching program and mastermind with my friend Jess Rose, formerly Jess Glazer. I had invested all this money and I was like, holy shit, I'm not making any money. This is so scary. But I was just like, you know what? You already spent the money. You'll figure it out. And uh, her program was all about how to build a coaching program. So Mm. basically, I it's so funny. And the whole thing is around like, sell the program before you build a program. So I just Mm -hmm. started talking about it on social media, like, hey, I'm going to run this group coaching program, very open, didn't know what I was doing. And I had like 10 girls be like, I'm in and pay me money. And I was like, now I have to freaking show up. Now I have to do it. Now I have to do the damn thing. Like I held my own feet to the flame. And that was really how it started. It was kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall a little bit. And, you know, I figured out how to build all these modules and things and videos and downloads and whatever in this program called Kajabi, which I kind of feel like is an exclusive YouTube, if you have no idea what that is. And and, and then it just kind of took off from there. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to be another arm, another branch of all that I do beyond the bike, because I think I have a lot more to offer in an individual and a small group setting than Mm -hmm. I do like one golden nugget in the go home run at SoulCycle. So like, so that's kind of how it started. And then now it's it's evolved to, I guess, you know, it'll be three years in April or May ish. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had about 50 girls go through the group coaching program. I've also run some accelerator groups. So it's kind of like a 2.0 of like you've learned the foundations. Now let's dig in deeper. And I really built the program off of just the questions I get asked all the time by everybody. Like, how did you do this? How do you start the gratitude practice? How do you show up confidently? What creates confidence? How do you do this? How do you deal with social media? How do you deal with sanity? It's like, I took every how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you question? And I started to formulate, okay, well, this is obviously what people want. This is obviously what people are asking for. This is what they need. And I like bottled that all up into my coaching program. Oh, I love that. I'm signing up for your next one. <laughs> do you have more in the works for next year or how do you schedule out how yeah. people can work with you? So my plan right now is to do one at the beginning of 2023 and I'm changing Yay. it a little bit. It used to be a eight-week program. I'm going to change it to a 12-week program. I'm also revamping like all my social, my whole website. I brought awesome. in a team. So everything's Yay. kind of like right now it feels a little bit like in Willy Wonka, Mikey TV, you know, when he's like floating right. in all the particles. That's kind of like how things feel right now for me because it's like I'm waiting on the website and this and we're changing the branding and da, 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 we're doing all this stuff. And also I'm building out all this other content and mm-hmm. updating it. So that's the plan. 
And that plan could change. So who knows at this point? Well, you know, being my ambassador for this podcast and some of our new branding, I'm right there floating with you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're on the journey together. Well, a couple more questions before I let you go. In this pivot journey, which feels like a constant as we've been talking about it, we're always pivoting, right? And knowing you are absolutely that individual, just like me, that's always looking to level up. We're very similar in this. What are you struggling with right now? And what would you say to someone potentially feeling the same? Ugh. You know what I'm really struggling with right now? And this is being really honest. Mm-hmm. When people talk about their struggles, I often find like on social media, this happened the other day, I was talking about something and I immediately got like, sign up for like a coaching call with me. And I was like, bitch, I do not need a coaching call with you. Like I am simply telling you how I feel and hopes that someone else out there will feel seen and heard and not feel alone. And that is the bedrock of everything I do is vulnerability a thousand percent because it is the key to connection and connection leads to community and community is the only currency that will never go out. So me saying this is like, I feel like I am behind. And when I say that, it's like I'm watching this new wave of like TikTok and trending and all these like, like, I don't want to say overnight sensations because I know that it takes a, a massive amount of consistency and a massive amount of work ethic to get to a certain point. But for whatever reason, I just feel like I have been banging and banging and banging and banging on the door for years. And then all of a sudden with all these new like apps and shit, I feel mm-hmm. so far behind. Like I used to feel like mm-hmm. I was on the forefront of social media and knew what was up, felt like my content was good. I felt like a like a trailblazer in that sense. And now I kind of just feel like a has been. And Mm -hmm. I know that myself is there's a lot of work to do there about like creating, like I know I'm creating impact, but it's tough when you see someone like skyrocket to a million followers or whatever. And you know that their platform is so huge to do good and you hope that they do good with it. I don't know if that makes sense. Really does. And you know, I feel the same. It's like constantly coming up with content and like what's next and there's always going to be new platforms or new things to explore but like you said it's doing the mindset work it's showing up for your community it's continuing to like stand in your voice keep those blinders on (laughs) yeah Uh, and keep looking forward into the future but there's a lot to offer and you have to give yourself a lot of credit for how far you've come just in the time I've known you I'm just again so impressed with all that you do and how you show up and teach fitness on the days where I'm sure you're freaking exhausted (laughs) and they're like, no, but you show up and and you're incredible. I know there's big things more to do. TBD. One more closing question, because I know you love to read books. What is one book that you've read that really changed your life and and why should we read it? Okay. So that's such a tough question because for me, the book that changed my life because I was like in such a low, dark, like party, drug, like awful space. I had just gotten broken up with. I dated this guy for a long time. My friend in LA gave me this book called Spirit Junkie by Gabby Bernstein. That book changed my life like Mm -hmm. full stop. Yeah, Whatever happened with that or like just whatever I read in that book was like, you need to fucking change your life right now or you're Mm -hmm. literally going to wind up like in jail or dead or worse. Mm -hmm. That book changed my life. But I think there's been so many other books along the way that I mean, there's so many, but I think that one, Spirit Junkie, really, whatever 
well, I was open to receive whatever whatever needed to be downloaded when I got that book placed in my hand. So Right. I know it's kind of funny how some things, books fall or media falls in our lap and we kind of need to hear it or read it. So maybe I'll do like a Madison top five book list and we'll put it in the show notes because <laughs> I know there's more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like cover. Oh, I'll tell it. you one right yeah. now. I read one yeah. just recently, audiobook, and I loved it. And it's called Fear is My Homeboy. And Ooh. I'm blanking on... I writing that down. Yeah, fear mm-hmm. is my homeboy, and I, you're gonna have to put the author because I, yeah. I am blanking on her name. She's dope. I listen to it on audiobooks. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I love listening to like the inflection in people's voices. Another one that I love is Everything Is Figure Outable by Marie yes. Forleo. Another great yep. Audible. She's awesome. I mean, there's just so many. the list goes on and on. I know. I feel like I have books piled up that almost give me anxiety because I have to read them all, and I'm like, oh my gosh, but there's so many good ones. <laughs> I got to just maybe over the break in the new year, that's my resolutions, like read the damn books. Oh, so yes. my resolution, I think, is like more surrender. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think I try to be in control of everything and kind of alluding to like what I said, like what I'm having struggling with right now. I think a lot mm-hmm. of that struggle is the way I visualize it is, you know, speaking, we're doing a lot of horse girl references, like blinders on. But Mm -hmm. I think about it like I'm so choked up on the reins sometimes. And I think what I'm working on right now and into 2023 is I used to have this pony. His name was Billy. And I knew him so well. We knew each other so well. I could literally drop my reins and he would still run around the ring and go over the jumps. Wow. And like that's that's the vibe I'm trying to be in for my life. Yeah. 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 Uh, I love all of this. And I know we could talk for like three days, but no one's got time for that. So forever. Let's just keep listeners engaging and finding you. So what's the best way to engage, to find you, to work with you? Where are all your platforms right now? So right now, I think the best place is probably Instagram at Mads Tads, M-A-D-D-Z-T-A-D-D-Z. And of course, I have www.madstads.com. That's being done over. So honestly, I just always feel like it goes down in the DM. I answer all my DMs and stuff like that. So just message me and you can get my email on there. And basically, literally everything lives there right now. You're so engaging and you have amazing reels and content. Thank you so much for sharing your pivot story. And all your heartfelt advice, as I said in the beginning, and many times I'm so inspired by you and appreciate how honest and real you are. I believe you truly are a gem of a human. So please, everyone, if you're in Boston, let's take Madison Soul Cycle class together. So message me, message Madison, we'll get you in there. And tune into her podcast, Wicked Fearless, because honestly, she shares so much wisdom and there's some great guests and stories on there as well. I always am taking notes. I love you for all you do. You keep me sane, you keep me smiling, you keep me healthy. So keep shining your light. And I cannot wait to see what 2023 brings. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. Pivot with Purpose with host Megan Houle is a fashion consort production and part of the FC Podcast Network. It is produced and directed by Phil, a.k.a. Corinne. And a special thank you to Spencer Powell for our theme music. Learn more at pivotwithpurposepodcast.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram at pivotwithpurpose underscore podcast.